But he just kind of puts his hands on him and he's like, ha ha, I'm here now. Like, like <laughs> ah, it's me. I got Lad. you. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Belgium, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And we're here to review the Arkansas and Georgia game. What a game it was, you know? You know, it was uh, <laughs> the very first note you have on on your notes. It, it's cracking me up because it just says it was weirdly anticlimactic, which is a, a pretty good kind of like a, a, a good zinger to kind of end in the whole thing. Like if you're wrapping it up, if that were the headline, I'd probably still read that article. But, you know, <laughs> we have a lot hey, to talk about today. We'll, we'll talk a little just... bit about everything i'll say the so, ratio of the ratio of nervousness to like not even relief but just sort of like surreality like surrealness i don't know what the the nominative form of surreal is but like just how surreal it was in relationship to how nervous i was before the game was just it was it was really weird and swingy uh lots of me looking at the people i was sitting with and just being like okay yeah i guess that happened now but it wasn't like about <laughs> bad stuff. It was about good stuff. Yeah. Uh, just like, huh. Well, okay. Justin, tell me, what was your experience for this game? How did you watch the game or not watch it? it was a good I, I game. assume you watched it. I absolutely did not watch it. No, I did watch it. I went to the game this time around. It was really great. I got to go to the game. I got some tickets from a friend, sat up in the 600 seats. I was skeptical at first because I've sat in some nosebleeds before, but these are not really nosebleeds. You know, nosebleeds typically have that feeling of like, you feel like you're going to fall into the stadium as you walk up the steps into them, but these don't have that. And really, I was able to kind of see the whole field, which was really nice. You know, my only the only thing I would say I didn't love. There's two things. One, I was closer to the surface of the sun and it shows if you're watching this video. <laughs> like, I burnt all got over. some red. You uh, got some red on you. Very red on me. Uh, this is even like lots of zinc oxide uh it's the irish in me it burns real quick but close to the surface of the sun two i couldn't you know the the red coats don't point to me and so um early in the in the you know in the pre-game the pre-show i got to you know see all the pre-show stuff and i was like well even when they point to us like it's it doesn't have the same effect because they're pointing down to the you know the one and two hundreds uh which was fine but because I've, I've heard it before but that's one of my favorite part parts of the whole thing but that did clue me into the fact that the stadium was so loud it was so 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 loud and even up in the 600s i could tell just how loud it was so i can't imagine what it would be like being in it like down there in the bottom bowl and the lower bowl but it was absolutely wild you got to stay the whole time got a free hot dog some guy gave me a hot dog the, the true athens experience i feel he got too many hot dogs you know you know the the age-old age-old story uh, you know the, the first thing they say about the first thing they say about hot dogs is just like what's that? You know, you you always get one when you're in Athens. That's the first thing they say. <laughs> that is what they say. Hot dogs. It's on my. That reminds me of when I was in Athens. <laughs> it's on my driver's license. Actually, yeah. it says it right there under Athens, Georgia. Uh, it's the classic hot dog city because we like our hot dogs <clears> plain. <throat> and I'm not knowing the Chicago style bullshit. Yeah, just dog and bun, dog, dog yeah, and bun, all, dog. That, I'm an. I'm an Athenian. That's all right. We're getting off track. Go ahead. Keep talking. Yep, anyway, oh. <laughs> uh, I also came away from this thinking that I really love noon games. It was really nice. It's kind of like, you know, because uh, this is probably what a lot of folks did is I, I had some some beer moses, had some beers before the game, went to the game. Third quarter, I was like, I could take a nap. Um, 
And then the game was over, did take a nap afterwards, and had the rest of the day to watch football and do whatever I wanted afterwards. It was pretty fantastic. And so just wanted to say all the folks that do put this thing together, you included, you know, thank you for allowing me to have such a nice day. Such a nice day. Because I didn't have to worry about putting any of it together, but I really enjoyed it, and I'm grateful for that. What about you? What was your day like? You woke um, up hell early, I bet. Yeah, I woke up at about 4.30. I left my house at 5.45 or something, 5.30. Um, and we went and did the practice, and that went well. And then there's a lot of pressure. You know, we've missed some days of practice because of a bunch of different issues. Uh, and so we've had to move stuff around and change our production order to, like, when we're playing, what we're playing, stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I thought it went pretty well at practice, but it's just very weird because when you have a home game, like the time, the time is the same. Like the distance between practice and the game start is always basically the same. Like you just Mm -hmm. take the game start and you back up a certain number of hours to give people time to get parking so they can actually get parking on the day of. So it's like, you know, seven hours before the game or something, um, when practice starts, uh, but in a in a night game, in a 7 or a 3.30 game, it just feels like you have a lot more time to breathe. And this was a game where, you know, in the pregame portion of it, in the sort of red coat day portion, it felt like we were pretty much walking around the whole time. Like, did practice, got the stadium, warmed up, did Sousa show, went straight downstairs to dog walk, had about 10 minutes to stand during or to sit in the bottom of the Tate Center, the old Tate Center. Uh, before dog walk went out to dog walk did dog walk marched in up to the slc or marched like into the stadium went back it to the uh to the tate grand ballroom rather uh ate ate lunch had about 10 minutes there and then went and did the game and weren't done and you know didn't stop doing stuff until we got done with the game at three which is always sort of how it is but a lot of times in the three thirty games the seven o'clock games you just have a little bit more time to breathe like i think we had like 20 me free minutes in the entire the entire day, whereas, you know, usually you'll have like 30 minutes to 45 minutes to just sort of like get everything situated, sit down for a second, like eat something, stare into space, not because you're sad, but because like you have to disengage at some point, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just so engaged the whole time. And that's how it was when I was in band. Like you need time during the day to just like, like if you watch the, the Red Kids eat a lot of time, it's not like <laughs> chatting and talking. It's just like a bunch of people with like a Chick-fil-A sandwich in one hand, just chewing contemplatively, like while they all just like stare into space, kind of like almost silently. It's shockingly mm-hmm. quiet. Um, and, you know, I thought they did a really good time, uh, a really, really, really good job at the game. Uh, this was one of those broadcasts where the Redcoats were on either audio or video a lot. And they, in those moments, they really came through. Um, and that's, that's basically all you can ask for, right? I mean, (laughs) when you're prepping as a college marching band, you know, most of it is about the experience in the stadium for the people at the stadium, but there's a big portion of it where it's like, well, we might get 30 seconds on TV where it's just us and we have to look and sound good. I thought they did a good, a good job in those moments of which were, there were, there were quite a few, uh, as for the game, it was kind of weird. Like, it was a game that was like simultaneously didn't feel like it was ever out of hand. And it also felt mm-hmm. like, well, if things go a little differently, like, you know, maybe this game's a little, I think we still win, but I just think like if things go a little differently, maybe like this game's a little bit closer. You know what I mean? Like it, it was one of those things where it's like, I felt like it wasn't close, but it, I also felt like, well, if they don't have, you know, the, 
the three false start penalties to start the game. And then if the guy doesn't muff the the kickoff, right, you probably don't get that block punt. And then like I still think it would have been a dog's win and they might not have scored. It might have been like, you know, not 37 to nothing. It might have been 24 to 7 or something. So I don't think there's any difference in the result, but there were definitely some moments where it was like, um, you know, good teams make their own luck. Good teams force turnovers. Good teams, you know, disrupt the other team's plan. And this was a game where UGA, in in a similar style to what they've done the entire year, they just disapparated. They molecularized. They destroyed Arkansas's game plan. Not even like what Arkansas was doing. Like, like not even Arkansas physically, which I think they did. They physically overwhelmed them. But it, there's mm-hmm. there's an element to this UGA team that I was kind of struck by in 2021, where it's like what this team does is breaks your game plan, and then they break you. That is, like, mm-hmm. if you have the talent to execute on them offensively, it might not work, right? With Alabama, you might not be able to do that. But what what we've seen over five games from this team so far is that UGA takes what you want to do offensively and just, you can't do it. And then you've spent 24 hours of tape and prep work to run your offense, and you fundamentally cannot run your offense. There, there has mm-hmm. not been a single team who has been able to, from like a theoretical or philosophical, you know, standpoint, run what they want to do, right? Like Arkansas really keyed in on the outside zone run and, you know, running in the interior um, against like light pressure looks with the quarterback. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't swing pass. They couldn't get swing passes out. They couldn't get yards after the catch. They fundamentally could not run like who they were as like teams have identities. And that's not like coach speak, like, teams have things yeah. that that yeah that's true like teams have plays and styles of play and you know schematics that they associate themselves with and that they build their identity around fundamentally and there has not yet been a team that UGA has allowed to express <clears throat> its identity in any way shape or form like they just didn't do it's incredibly problematic yeah well yeah i mean and not a non <laughs> and not a problematic way but like <laughs> across across five like what is arkansas arkansas they rush three they run the quarterback they hit the deep shot and the only thing that arkansas did was re- that out of that list was they rushed three and they didn't even do that very you know very well so i don't it, know yeah, I mean, it, it was, was yeah it was certainly weird just to kind of watch i i like i kept trying to figure out what arkansas was going to try differently and i really couldn't even figure out what they were sort of trying most of the time because Georgia was just so well definitely you know, like sitting them down. Yeah, defensively, I think they at some point they switched from going they had four down linemen where they put like six or seven <coughs> in the box. But by the time they did that it was in the second half and they were down twenty eight and they were just tired. Mm-hmm. And Georgia's yeah. you know Georgia's offensive line is not quite the road grading line that it has been in the past. But it's still good enough that if they tire you out, they will just like they will make your ass quit. And they did. And I think I, I think mm-hmm. defensively, I think one of the fundamental things that we forget is that it's like whether or not this is actually true, and I do think it is true to some extent, but whether or not it's true, it doesn't matter. Something that coaches believe, regardless of its actual, you know, ex- sort of place in reality, is that the you know football is essentially a game about rushing yards. Either you need to effectively gain rushing yards, effectively stop rushing yards, or you need some component of your offense that supplants those rushing yards, right? Like even the air raid guys talk about how their quick throw game replaces their rushing yards because 
efficiently moving down the ball down the field is basically the whole game, right? And the easiest way mm-hmm. to do that is rushing. And, and so, like, uh, except for, you know, your Mike Leaches of the world, basically all football coaches, regardless of what they tell you, want to do that. I mean, Kendall Bryles, who is a bad person and shouldn't have a job, but Kendall Bryles, <laughs> like, comes from a tree that is that throws the ball all the way around the all the way around the field, but still fundamentally is trying to get downhill and beat ass and run the ball, right? And so it's like something that I think is kind of undersold about UGA. Like currently, per our statistical, I don't I don't want to jump the gun on our statistical profile or anything, but currently on our statistical profile, we have UGA as the let's see, rush EPA. We have them ranked fifth in rush EPA on the year, mm-hmm. but. It's still a negative. It's negative point one rush EPA per play, which means every time the every time that um, another team runs against UGA, they actually lose points on their final score every time they run the ball, and that mm-hmm. is such a backbreaking. It, it is such a backbreaking thing from a just fundamental game plan, because like you only have a certain number of plays that you prep. You can't really change your offense mid season. You're just you're just running wrinkles, and if like the core of your offense is inside power or counter or outside zone inside zone wide zone split zone duo whatever if that's the core of your offense and you literally have just like a zero percent success rate on it or whatever that or whatever it is like that's the game that's the whole damn game <laughs> that's the whole tweet yeah i mean that i like basically as soon as you as soon as arkansas figured out that they couldn't run the ball i think they basically knew they couldn't win yeah it, it definitely seemed like and it, it was kind of funny it was speaking of just run games in general and, and talking through rushing it seemed like arkansas and everybody there kind of i didn't expect to see like i don't i won't say vintage georgia but the, the georgia from past years show up at this game like it didn't really especially because like the defensive scheme from arkansas to start off the you know they they expected georgia to throw more and then they kind of like inched up a little bit and they like you said it but by, by the time they did eventually change their their uh you know their format their defensive format there it was way well way too late at that point they were entirely too tired and, and just couldn't keep up and they just kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping mm-hmm. away um but it was fun to watch it was really fun to watch i i didn't i wouldn't say i missed that style of play but it was fun to see that we still got it because it seemed like up to this game we hadn't shown that sort of run dominance uh until this game right I mean, really hadn't. UGA had, let's see, they had 83% of their power runs of less than two yards d- down a distance to go because they were just basically like, we're going to just be Army now. Uh, stop it or don't. UGA ran the ball 84% of the time. Arkansas ran it 56% of the time. I misread that. But this is per our advanced stats backstore, uh, courtesy of gameonpaper.com forward slash CFB, which you should check out. It's a very good website. We don't get paid by them, but they deserve it. It's just like three dudes making good good stuff. Um, but their their success rate on um, rushing plays for Arkansas was 48%. UJ's was 52%. But it was 48% on 12 plays. They only ran the ball 12 times. Uh, they only passed the ball. Or they only had 12 successful running plays. They only had five successful pass plays. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we can like go ahead and call this our official transition into the stats talk. Uh, looking Let at us. our advanced box score, is there anything that strikes you about this? I mean, I will put the link on the Twitch stream right now. And also you can find this link on our discord. And I guess I could probably put it on the tweet where we publish this tweet or we publish this episode. All right, carry on. 
Are you talking about our advanced box score that, that you created along with uh, the other folks? From no, Discord? I'm, I'm talking about the game on paper. Or the game thing. on paper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the things that really stick out to me is this huge disparity in stop rate percentage. The Arkansas to stop rate for the game was 9%. 9% of the time they were able to actually stop what Georgia wanted to do. Uh, and Georgia's stop rate was 58%. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's absolutely mind boggling the way that this team just kind of, in a way, plays solitaire defensively. Like they just, they set out to do a thing. And then they do the thing like it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what you say. It's going to be done um, or they just take away your ball <laughs> and then and that's it. Like you don't get to play the game anymore. I'm playing the game. These are my rules and this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it was just anticlimactic, I think, was a great way to, to describe exactly what well, it was I mean, because it was just such a sound defeat. You're familiar with the concept. We've talked about this concept in the past on this show about the middle eight, which is this idea mm-hmm. of the last four minutes before the half, the first four minutes after the half. It's the only time when you have a chance to have back-to-back possessions, basically. Arkansas had the first possession after the half. Uh, during the middle eight, all right, Georgia ran 14 plays. Uh, Arkansas ran six. Georgia's EPA per play on those plays is .001. That's not great. Uh, Arkansas's EPA per play on those six plays in the middle eight Negative 0.58. They lost four points mm. off of their predicted score just on those six plays. Um, they only had one successful play. It was a successful pass. They had zero successful runs out of, well, they only rushed once, but it wasn't successful. Whereas of the 14 plays that UJ ran, they ran 14 rushing plays up for a 100% success rate. That is dominance. In the most important part of the game, when you can swing the game the most, when a team that is an underdog can come back from a big deficit have back 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 to back positions, especially essentially steal points uh, from the other team by having possession before and after halftime. In that moment, UGA swallowed Arkansas whole, and I don't mean in a four way, in a way that like some <laughs> person with different proclivities than mine might might like. I mean in a like anaconda <laughs> unhinges its jaw and then eats an entire wild pig kind of way. Like it was not it. It was one of those things where the nature analog is a video that you don't want to watch. You know what I mean? It's a video of like a snake eating a baby rabbit. It just was not like, uh-huh. I mean, I guess if you're Arkansas, it wasn't pleasant. For me, I, I guess I'm a fan of the snake in this instance. Any other stats that are standing off for us here? Four I'd like to talk about the special day. teams a little bit because both, oh, yeah, special both teams sides of the ball. Sure. Special teams were, it was a weird day for special teams all around, I feel. Like both Arkansas and Georgia had just a strange day um, as far as special teams went. But um you know, I did have a, a note in, in my notes just about the game in general about how there were three illegal formation calls on the punt team uh, mm-hmm. for Georgia, which I thought was just kind of odd. But then <laughs> I leaned over to my friend at the time and I was like, give them a break. They don't punt often, you know, uh, and it was just an odd moment. I don't, I don't know how moment. you keep getting that wrong. I, 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 yeah, it seems it like an easy thing to get right. That I, I am imagining it was something where formationally the ref interpreted something that Georgia was doing differently than Georgia interpreted it. And what that led to was just like trying to prove a point call. That seems that mm-hmm. to me, that smacks of like as a teacher, whenever you tell the kids like, hey, if you do this on your test, you're going to get a 50 automatically. And then you have one kid that you have to give three 50s and back to back to back weeks on quizzes just to prove that, like, yes, I mean what I say. When I say mm-hmm. if you don't have two quotes in this paragraph that I will give you a 52 start and maybe lower. And then by the third one, they're like, oh, I guess that I shouldn't do that. And it's like, yeah, yes, you meant it. That's what it felt like that to me. That like some there was a ref that was just like, "I'm trying to prove a point here, please." Mm-hmm. I told you I'd do it, and I'm following through. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, what other or bits and pieces from this advanced box score do you want to bring up before uh, we get into observations? Well, twenty percent. They ran. Let's see. Uh, seven havoc plays for UGA. Four sacks, three passes defense, one forced fumble. UJ can continues to be dominant in that. Uh, only only gave mm-hmm. up one havoc havoc play, which was pretty pretty impressive. Just a pass defense. Yeah. Um, and then oh yeah, a four tackles for loss. And then I guess that was by Arkansas on UGA. But then also UGA had seven tackles for loss. Five of them were on runs. Um, to me, I mean, the win expectancy chart really tells the tale. Like at the beginning of the game. UJ started out without like about an 80% win expectancy and the lowest it went what or sorry they started out at the first of the game with 89.3 and the lowest it ever got on the day was 86%. By the middle of the second quarter we were at like 99.1% and we didn't really get below that for the rest of the game. Uh UJ t- continues to just just generate the most ridiculous EPA lines on the day. Uh <laughs> Arkansas's total EPA for the day was negative 24 points. Negative nine points offensive EPA or nine point five two offensive EPA. So basically, Arkansas lost ten points off of its final score just from um, every time they snapped the ball on offense. Uh, negative eleven points special teams EPA. That 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 makes sense. Negative two point six penalty EPA. That is hard. That's hard to do mm. uh, to lose three almost three points off your final score just from uh, penalties, which you know. Arkansas was committing a lot of them. Uh, and and th- what was weird to me about about that, too, was that, like, they weren't really, like, judgment call penalties. I mean, there was a couple of, like, pass interferences and, hold, you know, offensive holdings that I thought was, like, a little bit iffy. But most of the penalties were pretty cut and dry, like, false start, an eligible guy downfield. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't have one that was, like, two people in the same jersey at this point. It, it just seemed kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes as a... Um, as a team, there are tiers of teams, and sometimes you find what the edge of that tier is. And I don't say this to make fun of Arkansas because I love Sam Pittman, and I think that he's a great coach, and I wish this Arkansas team the best, which is not something you'll hear me say about an opponent most of the time. But um, sometimes, and UJ fans know this, you find out what the top of your tier is, right? UJ plays Alabama mm-hmm. in 2007. They think they're really good, and they get destroyed, right? This has happened to UGA several times in the past, and, and I think this is really a moment where Arkansas, I don't think this derails Arkansas season or anything. They're already playing about expectation, but um, I think it was, it was definitely clear that these two teams are in different tiers and different points in the developing process. Right. Um, do you want me to talk about our offensive footprint or our, our team advanced stat footprint on the year? Before, before we get too far into that, I, I do want to bring up one thing. This is kind of like a, like a, almost like a mid year checkpoint. Um, someone brought up something, earlier i think today or the day before in our discord and they were asking just a quick like the uh talking about epa because we talk a lot about epa and so Mm -hmm. this is but but we haven't since probably before this season uh discussed kind of why epa is so important and also the predictive nature of epa and i was hoping you might be able to talk a little bit about those two things before we get too far um into the next segment yeah, uh, so EPA is it stands for estimated points added. Uh, our two traditional stats that this podcast was sort of founded on are success rate and explosiveness. Um, how often are you ahead of the chains, right? Uh, do you get 50% of the yards on first down that you need? Do you get 75 on third or second down or 60 on second down, 75 or 100 on third and fourth? Um, and then explosiveness, which is like how many points per play, like how many places it take for you to score a point, basically. Um 
those two metrics have problems because they really met they they measure oftentimes diametrically different um, offenses and oftentimes depending on an offense's makeup and what an offense wants to do uh success rate and explosiveness might be sacrificed willingly right um army sometimes doesn't have very explosive teams but they always have wishbone teams flexbone teams are always efficient because they just move the chains right um so those two stats, while they're very important, they have limitations, right? They don't tell you the full story, right? There's a huge difference between you're a th- you have a third and three and you get four yards and you have a third and three and you get 75 yards, right? Those are two very different plays, but success rate tr- treats them the same, right? Uh, similarly with explosiveness, if you have a, uh, let's say, three-play drive where you score, you know, your first play is one yard, your second play is one yard, and your third play is 75 yards... That gets treated the same as if you have a three-play drive where you get 25 yards, 25 yards, 25 yards, right? Now, those are those are very different game situations, and they reflect a very different reality in terms of just where the football game is. And the, the goal of advanced analytics is to see deeper into a game. So oftentimes, even really stats that we like, like yard lines and stuff rate and um, success rate and explosiveness, they don't really tell a holistic picture of how an offense is doing. And... and you can look at them for very specific things if you want to investigate a game deeper on a more granular level, but they're not a very good takeaway stat, right? Um, so EPA is a stat that we really like because it allows you to basically look at the the impact of every single snap of a football game. So basically the way EPA works is you take all possible variations of where a ball can be and what the down and distance can be. So everything from first and 10 on the 25 to you know, second and 51 on the your own 20, whatever, right? And you basically say, okay, how many points on average do you score if you have the ball from this at this point? So if you have if you have the ball first and 10 on the 25, how many points do you score on average from there? And then you take the next play, say first and 10 on the 35, and you say, how many points on average do you score if you have the ball there? And then you basically subtract those two numbers and you get how many points you added. Now, I'm kind of fudging the math, and there's kind of more to it than that. But fundamentally, what it allows you to do is measure both explosiveness and efficiency. Basically, it just tells you what is the impact of the plays that you've had. And it it sort of um, treats plays differently when they deserve to be treated differently, right? So the the example Mm -hmm. that I used was success rate of like, if it's third and 10 and you get 10 yards and it's third and 10 and you get 75 yards, success rate treats those the same. EPA does not treat those those plays the same, right? Um, high EPA teams tend to perform well offensively. Uh, it's a very strong correlation. Um, EPA is a is a stat that has a pretty good correlation to winning. Um, it's not, you know, I think Dog Quant, who is one of the guys on our server who's helping us with CBCR squared, who uh, you should be following on Twitter, Dog Quant. Um, Dog Quant would tell you that there's a little bit more to that and that it's not totally correlative, but it is a very helpful stat because it basically just gives you a one number thing to tell you what was the effect of this team snapping the ball. So like, okay, I'll give you an example. So Arkansas this Arkansas on this game, right? If you want to talk about like defensive dominance, you can talk about sacks, you can talk about tackles for loss, you can talk about defense, whatever. But if we look at Arkansas's offensive EPA, right? It was negative 9.52. What that means is based on how what they were expected to do, Arkansas lost a total of nine and a half points off of what they we expected their final score to be over the snaps that they had offensively, right? And if we look at their per play EPA, um, let's see if I can find it real quick. 
Yeah, so Arkansas lost about 0.21 points off of their expected score um, every time they snapped the ball, right? And to me, that is a very sort of like good holistic way to look at a football game, right? Like what was the effect of you snapping the ball? Not were you successful, not were you explosive. Like how did this change what we expect the score to be? If we expect you have the ball at the 25 on first and 10 at the beginning of a drive, we expect you to score on average three points. Well, if you throw a pick six, there's a huge difference between the result and the expectation. And it allows you to just very quickly estimate like what was the impact of the offense and the defense on the final score of the game. Boom. EPA. Boom. Done. I'll, I'll probably pull that out and post that somewhere. We can just hold on to that. So when people do ask what, well, I hope it's we go right. back and talk about EPA again. Our, uh, I mean, our friend right. R. Moore is on this live recording, and I'm sure that if if I was wrong, he would be frantically texting me right now. Um, I would have, I would <laughs> have like, already been tagged. Up. No, no, no. I would have already been tagged several times on either our private chat or on the stats channel if I got that wrong. So hopefully, um, you know, the absence of evidence let's, isn't the evidence of absence, but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, so what other observations do we have about this game? And uh, we can lead that into some takeaways if we'd like. Sure. Uh, so a couple of things that I, I think are are that make me really happy for the future of this, uh, of this team. One of them is just the advanced stats footprint for this team. UGA on the year has, I would say, an average to above average offense on the year. This is non-opponent adjusted. But based on the non-opponent adjusted ranks that we have for them nationally, uh, UGA overall is 50th in EPA, so above average. There are 100, 131 FBS teams that we mm-hmm. track, so puts them in the you know uh, about half of a standard or a quarter of a standard deviation above nor- uh, average. You know, um, they are first in defensive EPA, and that is a theme. Uh, offensively on the year to this point, they have been an average to above average team. They're not very explosive. They are 25th in success rate, so they're very efficient. Uh, stuff rate rank is 73rd, so they're getting stuffed a little bit more in the run game than they than they should, which is kind of keep pulling down both their efficiency and their explosiveness. Uh, offensively, 39th in uh, line yards, so even though they're getting stuffed more than they should, they're they're getting pretty. We're not getting stuffed; they're getting pretty good yardage. Uh, 38th in PPO. Uh, PPO is just like how well do you convert having the ball inside of your opponent's 40? So they finish drives pretty well. Uh, Havoc is 13th; they don't allow a lot of havoc. Rush EPA rank is 76, which is really like explosions rank is 112. So that's the worst number, but rush EPA rank 76. That's kind of what the team is, right? They're just an, an average to below average rushing team on the year. Holistically, uh, pass EPA rank 25th. That's very good. Standard L EPA rank 41st pass down EPA rank 62nd. Um, so, you know, that pass down EPA rank probably has a lot to do with the fact that we've had to start Stetson Bennett in two games, although he didn't hurt that number on the UAB game, uh, defensively to this year. We're just looking at, you know, what's the footprint of this team? What's the profile? Uh, first in EPA defensively, first in success rate defensively, first in explosiveness rank defensively, 12th in stuff rank rank, 13th in line yard rank, and then in PPO first, Havoc rank 11th, Rush EPA fifth, Pass EPA first, Standard Dell EPA first, <laughs> Pass Down EPA third. This is the best defense in the nation, and it's not particularly close. The average EPA surrendered for a defensive team, so... On average this year, when an offense snaps the ball, the defense surrenders about 0.17 points. So you, per every 10 plays you snap the ball, you get about one points against a uh, one point against the average defense. Make sense? 
You with me so mm-hmm. far, everyone? You can't respond, but I'm just going to say it makes sense. All right. Georgia this year. Audience. Georgia this year, on average, every time you snap, you snap the ball against them, you lose 0.19 points. That's almost 0.2. So every five plays you snap the ball against Georgia's defense, you lose a point off of your expected score at the end of the game. That's what that means. Mm. It, it, it actually would have been better at times for statistically, it would have been more beneficial at times on Saturday for Arkansas to take a knee than to continue to snap the ball. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically where we are. Like I, I it's hard for me to, it, I, it's hard to articulate how good this defense is. Like, like there are things in college football. Like we started this podcast because we, we said sometimes what people say about the eye test is bullshit uh, people's traditional, you know, the way they think about football is often wrong. The stats they look about in football are often wrong. People tend to overestimate narratives. They tend to underestimate facts. They tend to want to like make things follow the Western narrative of the under guy, the underdog wins and the plucky David, you know, and Goliath story or whatever. Uh, but this is one of those times where you look at the stats or you look at the, you look at the play on the field and you say, well, this is probably the best defense in the country. And then you look at yeah. the stats and you're like, actually, it's oh, not just the best defense is. in the country. It's the best defense in the country by like a pretty good margin. I forget mm-hmm. who put out the uh, who put this out in our in our college football. So I want to attribute this correctly, but there was a very good tweet from who is this? Who is this graph from? That that they the the line graph that they put up. Oh, from Tom Fornelli. Oh, I don't know who that's. Uh, oh, okay. It was from Tom Fornelli, who is on I think CBS Sports Network now. Uh, but basically, he had a line graph where he plotted. Uh, power five contenders and one access is defensive success rate. So um, basically like how often are you successful versus how often do other team are other teams successful against you? And on the defensive axis, UGA is like up at the very top of well the, above. The yeah. They're like an obvious dumb outlier. And, and like, that's what I'm trying to get across. Like everybody's like, this defense is special. Uh, you should, you should enjoy it while it lasts. That's totally true. Uh, but I think it's also worth saying that, like, this defense isn't just special. Special, they're statistically anomalous. Like, the, the, mm-hmm. it it will be a long time since you to, until UGA has another defense this good, and they might not win a national championship this year, and they might win a national championship with a better defense, or with a worse defense rather. But it will be a long time si- until you have a unit that is this much better than everyone else. Yeah, um, that's it's something that we said in the preseason. I said again this weekend is that I think that one day we're going to look back at this roster and think it was absolutely illegal to put all these same players this, on the same team I, during this time. I know that this I'm about to say like some pretty big shit, um, especially for people who are a little bit older than us. But like there was there was a time like in the early 2000s where we look back and we're like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were on the same defense. Mm-hmm. And like. I think we might say that about this defense. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Several of like, these players. Yeah, I, I really do. Okay. Um, the one other thing I wanted to talk about that I think actually bodes well for us going forward uh, is looking at SEC StatCats um, offensive concepts for the week. UGA's number one um, offensive concepts by play share and number one offensive concept by uh, yardage share and their high success rate offensive concept was inside power. Now, to me, that bodes well because for a couple of reasons. One, um, UGA is has traditionally been since we've been tracking these stats, kind of an inside zone team, uh, mm-hmm. and and I appreciate that. 
I, I think that this is a sign of Todd Munkin's willingness to adjust on the fly. Inside power is different than inside zone. It's not incredibly different, but it is different. And I How think in different? some ways it kind of, well, inside zone um, is it inside zone zone blocking schemes are a lot more about like, I don't want to say vibe. It's not like you're blocking well, on vibe in a way, but it's you're like right, the zone zone is kind of like blocking on vibe rather than man. You're, you're right. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're trying to get a piece of somebody and get to the second level. If you're in the interior of the offensive line, oftentimes in zone schemes in the exterior of the offensive line, you're either trying to get someone across or you're going to leave somebody open and try to get a, uh, a double team at the second level. And so, um, you know, on the other hand, power is a straight up, like put their ass in the ground, uh, bigger than you. scheme. Yeah. And, and I think it is a sign of how good of an offensive coordinator we have right now that we saw that we could do that against, uh, against Arkansas. And clearly we could do that. And I also think it's a sign of uh, a willingness to adjust, which is something that we have criticized, uh, this coaching staff about in the past. And I think sometimes this coaching staff gets unduly criticized for that Alex Kirshner. Um, <clears throat> even today, uh, I do love Alex Kirshner. So just don't, don't make fun of him or anything, but I think he's wrong. But I mean, the fact that we ran, we ran inside power 22 times for a 63% success rate. 32% of our, our, our plays on the day were inside power for 63% success rate. That is unreal. 63% success rate is, I, I mean, especially on a, on a sort of staple offensive play is ridiculous. Um, 18, 18 attempts at inside zone, still 26% of our plays and then 55% success rate, which is still very good. So, I mean, to me, that, my observation is I don't think that people have fully honed in that this is truly a team that will take what you give them offensively and they will go into each game plan and they're not going to reinvent the wheel, but they're going to go into each week and they're going to try to basically destroy your game plan and execute theirs, which is pretty much what all football is about. But they've been really good at doing that on the year. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is a sort of like inside baseball uh, example of why that is, of how that happens. This game very much made me, it was probably the experience surrounding the the game itself as well. It just kind of reminded me why I really enjoy this game and all the things that it is and isn't. So what other yeah. weird observations? Any other good observations that we have? Um, I, uh, let's see. I wrote this last week. Elite teams destroy bad teams through five weeks. This is the best team in the Kirby Smart era and it's not close. This wasn't a bad team, but we still destroyed them. <laughs> we so, sure did we made yeah. them look look bad we we very much like this is going to be i think going forward for arkansas for the rest of the season people are going to continue to question them and whether or not they deserve to be ranked at the number that they were going into this game um and it's gonna be really yeah. hard for the next several weeks for them and so it's it's very much like you know it's mid-season so you wouldn't say things like we don't break their uh, season they control their own destiny uh yeah i yeah. hope that they still have a good season and arkansas yeah. is going to be a good team going forward as well so I, I thought Broderick Jones, he played a lot of left tackle. I thought he looked pretty good. He um he had one penalty, but he he looked pre- he looked all right. Um I thought obviously the the blocking was good, obviously. But I mean, um Fitzpatrick looked really good on the outside blocking today, or he had a couple of good ones and he didn't have an obvious one that made me be like, What the hell? Put a hand on him. Um I thought <laughs> Lad McConkey is a weirdly good blocker, considering he's like smaller than Justin. Yeah, he's um, a little guy. He weighs like 180 pounds. He just, mm-hmm. he's really good at just sort of like, he does like flag football blocking. And I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. He doesn't like 
he doesn't like overpower guys, but there were a couple of times on like, especially long runs where he would run a dummy route and then he would just sort of like stand in front of the guy and be like, ah, <laughs> and like scare him, you know, he did. There was a, there, I think the biggest play of the day was a James Cook or run to the outside. that was very well blocked on the inside uh, where mm-hmm. basically the offensive tackle just like jacked the uh, defensive end back into um, his defensive line compatriot. And then, Cook got loose on the outside, but uh, Ladd McConkey did a really good job of like he ran a dummy route. The cornerback ran to him, ran with him, and then as soon as as the cornerback realizes that he needs to like you know play run support, McConkey doesn't really block. He blocks him, but he just kind of puts his hands on him and he's like, "Ha ha, I'm here now!" Like, like <laughs> ah, it's me, I got Lad, <laughs> and like that was enough. And so I mean, I think a lot about blocking. I have been told by people who actually you know know understand the game. I think a lot of blocking is just positioning and timing, and he's really good mm-hmm. at it. Um, I thought, obviously, Darnell is just... I mean, there's already a, a gif going around. I'm going to say maybe I saw it from the My God a pod- podcast guys. It might have been Dog Out West, but I don't know. There's a gif going around where Darnell Washington just, like, throws a guy into the ground. Like, yeah. he, crack, he basically comes across the formation, grabs a... I th- I'm going to say linebacker, and just literally throws him into the ground. Um, and mm-hmm. it was like everything else on that play went wrong for Georgia. And the result was a tackle for a loss for Arkansas. But that one poor linebacker who tried to fill the B gap just got absolutely planted. Um, so that's good. It's good to see that. Uh, yeah. What any observations do you have? Yeah. Uh, I, like I said at the start of the show, like the, the crowd just played a huge part of this game, you know. And uh, the only reason I say that is because I'm, I'm interested in seeing how that will affect away games, especially going into Jordan Hare. Um, it's you know, historically a tough place to play. And however, this Auburn team feels like a historically bad Auburn team right now. So we'll see how that actually affects it. And this, if the defense does travel as well as defense tends to travel, uh, Arkansas, I, I was very impressed though. Speaking of defense, I was very impressed. Arkansas had very few penalties coming into this game. They had less than five on average for each game and, and UGA and, and, and the crowd itself, I think drew so many, uh, it just made Arkansas look confused a lot of times and, and drew them over the line. Lots of false starts, lots of offsides. Um, yeah, like it, it wasn't anything that was no technical fouls, nothing, you know, uh, personal fouls or anything like that, but very much like a UGA doing what they want to do and then executing well and, and making it happen. And, and I'm excited about that going forward as well. Like just, just another layer to this defense. Like the defense isn't just bigger than you. The defense is smarter than you. And uh, that was that was really exciting to, to, to see. Um, the very last thing I have on here was uh, it was I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. Speaking of penalties, uh, we didn't really know what happened. I remember there were a bunch of flags. There was like a flag up on the top half of the field and there were a couple on the bottom. And I was just kind of like, what in the world happened? Like there was holding on every call, of course. But this one was when they the, the ref kind of hesitated for a moment. And then he said, there are multiple penalties on the defense. <laughs> And it was a whole bunch of different penalties, but I'd never seen so many different penalties <laughs> and announced in that way. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. Just not much of a takeaway. Just an observation, really. Yeah. The old the old three penalties on the same defensive play one. When, mm-hmm. when it's like it was like hold it was like defensive holding, that penalty is declined. Um I think the other the other one was like uh offsides, that penalty is declined pass interference that penalty is accepted yep. like he was like out of breath at the end of his recitation <laughs> of the penalties <laughs> he had to review things before he really got into it but yeah uh takeaways from this game you have a big one right at the top the existential question for 2021 is jt daniels's health yeah i mean what does it mean 
And really, and really, the existential question isn't even really about JT. It's just like, what is what is UJ ceiling with Stetson Bennett, and how long are they going to need to explore that ceiling? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I I everything I've read, everything that we have heard, and I don't just say me. It's just everybody seems to agree that this is just one of those uh, soft tissue injuries that Bennett has. That it could be he could be good to go against Auburn. He could be out for two more weeks. We don't know. Um, but I I think. I think, you know, you round into shape in the Florida game and maybe you get Pickens back. You have Tyke Smith back healthy. You have Darnell Washington back healthy. Hopefully you have JT Daniels back healthy. You feel good about that version of the team. Um, And I and I think the next two weeks are kind of pivotal. I really do. I, th- I think Georgia has to prove that it has a high ceiling with Stetson Bennett on the road in a hostile environment. And I think, you know, if you can do that against Auburn, you're going to have a very good year. Um. And I, to me, these next two games feel like the games where you have a stumble if you're going to have a stumble, right? I don't mm-hmm. think that this team full strength, um, I don't think that they're going to have a lot of problems with the rest of the schedule if they're full strength, honestly. I think with JT Daniels in and with getting some of these play, playmakers back, whether that's Blaylock or Rosemi or Jacksaint or it's um, George Pickens, right? I think once you get some of those mm-hmm. guys back and you have JT healthy, you can beat pretty much anybody. And and so I really think these next two weeks, and I and I am not munsoning about this this game at all. I think Georgia's gonna win. I think they're gonna beat Auburn. But I do think that like if you were gonna say, here's a spot where Georgia gets upset, Jordan Hare at 3:30 on a Saturday, I mean, crazier things have happened. Ask Alabama, right? I I don't mm-hmm. think that's gonna happen because I think defense travels. I think that um if you have a defense this good, they're gonna be this good and you can put it. You we could play the game in freaking Siberia, and they'd probably actually be better because they could all use Jordan Davis for warmth. Um, but because he just like exudes heat and charm and love and light, and I love him. Um, but I think you really have to ask. I, I think there's a chance that UJ wins this game and has a scare next week, right? I think there's a chance UJ wins this game like twenty-one to ten or something, and there's a couple of key plays that turn the game. Now I think there's also a chance that UGA just like blows the doors off this team. But um I really think that my big observation through this week or my my sort of takeaway is just what 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 can this team be when they're not at full health? Because we I think we kind of know what they can be when they're at full health. Hmm. Or at least, yeah, where where we're headed with full health once yeah. it gets there, definitely. Uh before we get into prediction view, what are, and what are, your, ta- what are your takeaways? I have I have some takeaways here for you that yeah, you know, somebody mentioned recently um, that we don't say borderline erotic anymore. We don't we don't. It's not something. It's a, it's like a, a segment of the past or a, a phrase of the past. And so I wanted to bring it back just for a moment because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of really fun borderline erotic facts about this team right now that I just wanted mm-hmm. to say into the the audio sphere for everybody to enjoy, to have, and to hold, and to laud over all of your your foes, your friends, uh, frenemies, whatever you want, but. Just to put these out in the world, you may have seen them all in separate places, but here they all are in the same place. So, uh, first fact, for, first borderline erotic fact: Georgia has now scored one hundred and one points without allowing one. Uh, very exciting stuff. Georgia has only allowed uh, one offensive touchdown for the entire season over five games. Georgia has allowed only two touchdowns at all this entire season. Georgia has won two SEC games by a combined score of ninety-nine to zero. And across two top ten matchups, Georgia has only allowed three points. Mm, that gets this a little bite for me, dog. 
<laughs> I was going to say, Nathan <clears throat> is here just enjoying himself. Uh, this is the edging portion of the show. That, that, was, where we that just made get, me feel very get, much... Like, like every time I see Georgia's defense walk out on the field, I'm like that gif of of uh, Denzel Washington where he's like, my man. That's how I feel every time. I'm like, <laughs> damn. There goes my, my man. My man. I did go. I went to the game with my friend Will. And when the Arkansas team came onto the field, Will Will's like a very like quiet, not very outspoken, very introverted guy. And he, he's a man of few words, but the words he does speak are, are loud. And so when they came out onto the field, he hadn't really said anything for a little while. He's just kind of taking the scene in and he goes, those dudes are little. <laughs> That's the thing. Those dudes are They're little. not. They're actually pretty They're big. not it's little just, dudes. Yeah. yeah. It's just. Relatively speaking. Yeah. It was a very fun game. Though. Compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So prediction review, just the over-unders going back through. <laughs> Can uh, we just say we had we had a rough day, both of us. It was a rough day for over-unders, yeah. I mean, we we thought this game would look very different. You know, we have uh, the, the first one right off the bat is the 48 and a half points scored. We both said over. We thought it would be a big game. Everybody, including Arkansas, thought this game was going to look like our previous four games. Turns out it did. We just did it differently. Turns out this yeah. team has layers. You have to let the other teams uh, score. Three hundred twenty-five passing yards. Over. Just don't do the over. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. Don't do the over. We're idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three hundred twenty-five passing yards for JT didn't start. Uh, two and a half UJ sacks. We had what four on the day. Uh, we both said over. That was great. Um, bro Boma, bro Broma, uh, bro Broma. I believe bro Boma, bro Broma. Uh, <laughs> Over under two and a half Darnell receptions and a 0.5 Tyke interception. Um, neither of those things happened. So another strange uh, over under in there. The next one, three and a half Georgia explosive plays. We both said over. Um, it was a little bit under. I believe it was two. No, one on the day total. Um, and then 0.5 Arkansas fumbles lost under. And our total score predictions, you said 31-20. I said 41-20. By the end of the game, I thought we were about to score in those last few minutes. Uh, we ended up getting just the field goal, but uh, we almost had a 41-0, which would have f- just been weird. Uh, but yeah, good game overall. Looking forward we, to the we, rest we of did them. Not have, we did not have the layout of the game pegged. I don't think we've yet really felt... I feel like I had a really good feel for the Clemson game uh, and a pretty good feel for the UAB game. But uh, mm-hmm. the other three games, I just have not had any feel for how they were going to go. I, I think I'm just no. underestimating... I'm underestimating how good UJ's defense is. All right. Let's hit him with our favorite segment. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Ask CBC brought to you by you, our friends, our family, our community, our patrons. Um, Mm -hmm. Neither of our wives listen to the show, so I'm going to not say our lovers, but everything but that. So (laughs) everything but that specifically. So everything good platonic uh, that you can be. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Our, go with it. Do, do the thing. <laughs> Nathan wants to keep waxing poetic to each of you. But if you want to hear your questions ask, uh, answered on the show, make sure you get them to us before we record. We typically record on Sundays. Today is a Monday. You know, uh, what a work to do. But uh, Sundays and or Wednesdays, uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays kind of thing. So just get them out to us. Email chapelbellcurve.com or Twitter, uh, Facebook when it's not down. First question comes in from Joel, but spooky. Them dogs as hell, don't they? them dogs as hell that's what i said that's what i shaved into my son's head for the church service 
Auburn sucks. <laughs> Getting ready for the big one. Uh, I'm going to go right to the next few that kind of have the same feel to them. Ian Boatman, just how hard does this team fuck? You know, I think pretty gently. I think this defense is good enough to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. You don't always. I mean, it, it could be hard, you know, but they, they can Jack Black it too if they want to. Sometimes it's not right to do. Yeah. I think they're gentlemen. Case Sarge. And, and, you know, that's how it goes. All right. Case <laughs> Sarge asks if we are still ranked two after this, we riot, right? Uh, no, I want to be ranked two. Yeah, I want to be. I, better I, this I, way. It's never going to happen, but I, I wish we, we were unranked. I don't care. Fuck them all. Calm down, sir. Second I want to go to the national. I want to when we win the national championship. I want to come out of it like both fingers up, kicking trash cans over, like <laughs> just like total knife kid energy. You know that TikTok where the kids like, I have a knife, and like his mom's <laughs> like, No, yeah. If we win the national championship, I'm gonna have a knife for the next 365 days. So get ready. All right, <laughs> just running around the yard. Yeah. My uh, wife second is gonna question have such for a problem. Sarge. Was Darnell Washington coming back the key to the run game, or did others play other players step up to enable it? Uh, that is a fine. Um, I I think that that Jashley just pointed that out. Um, I think mm-hmm. that it didn't hurt, but I do think that the offensive line had a much better day. They did. They did. They really did. Uh, Steven asks, "Have you guys also reached a state of zen watching this team?" I'm no longer worried in the slightest about playing a top ten team at home. I'm not worried in the least about going on the road to Jordan Hare. Just wondering if I'm alone. Uh, well, jokes on you. I've, I always have a state of zen because the Bodhisattva told us when he sat under the runyon tree, the banyan tree rather, that you know, like wisdom comes from an acceptance of the temporality of all things. But yeah, in all seriousness, like um, I want Jordan, Bla- I want Jordan Davis to be my like personal big spoon, like weighted blanket. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> I did try a weighted blanket for the first time a couple weekends ago. They are not joking. Those things are super dope. The, the idea of a weighted blanket, like, I don't know. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Can't go that, I, down that road. I am hot all the time. I don't like being confined. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like, I have a real hard time with, like, MRI machines. Like, no way. That's fair. To each their own. Christy in London asks, which is more likely to derail our season, the Tennessee roster or the turf at their stadium? <laughs> Oh, it's the turf of their stadium. That place is horrible. Yeah. I hate it. It's like the worst color director set in the world. You just Erector walk makes... in, you get turf toe. Erector sets are well designed, so it's not that. Second question. Is there a better sports TV theme song than that of SEC on CBS? In parentheses, I think not, but will CBS dare change it when they change from SEC to ACC? Oh my God. But if they changed it, how bad, like how angry would you be if they were like, welcome to... Welcome to 50% full Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina for a, a thrilling matchup of a bad North Carolina State team and an un, un, unaccountably good Wake Forest team. It's 12 a.m. <laughs> on a Thursday. Oh, my God. Bam, 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 I hate this. I hate it already. Uh, Ma asks, in response to the stuff between Kirshner and UGA Twitter, over under 90 FBS programs that Stetson Bennett would start for. So there are 131. So you're asking me, are there there 40 teams? Are there only 40 teams where he wouldn't start? I'm going to say no. Hold on. Let me just do this real quick. That's fair. Actually, the way you put it like that, 40 teams that he wouldn't start for. Yeah. So I I, I don't. I I think it'd be under. Hold on. Let me see. 
let's look at QBR. Um, right now, old stat. He's old not on the first page, the so I'm going to say he's not in the top fifty. So I'm going to go ahead and say that no. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I would say under. I don't think it's that much. I don't think it's that much farther below. I think it's probably mm-hmm. you know. It feels let's not situational. Have snaps to qualify because I don't see him at like a hundred. Let's try the SEC. Interestingly enough, neither Georgia quarterback has snapped the ball enough to qualify to be on this list. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I would say it's probably more like there are 60 to 80 teams he also starts at, which for a backup quarterback, even for the number one team, is very good. Most teams, mm-hmm. even very, very good teams that win the national title, don't have Tulia Tagalavola. Tagalavola. Although I also, I also would say we don't know how much that Carson Beck is going to advance over the next, you know, couple of weeks. So, you know, end of the year, maybe he can. All right. Mm-hmm. Eric Russell, what are the chances of JT Daniels coming back next year with the limited playtime he has had this year? Virtually zero. Yeah, I don't think that there's an instance in which he comes back. Nah, he's, he's get, get, go get your bag, man. It's fine. Get it, my dude. Jay Sam asks, trying to understand the predictive power of EPA. Is it almost exclusively a resume statistic, or can it be used in a similar manner to SP plus? Pros and cons of each comparatively? Did this question make any sense? Yes. Um, this is the question well, I was referring to earlier. So to, to answer the rest of the question, uh, you can be using you can use it to make predictive um, analysis and you know game predictions because that's what we're doing with CBCR squared EPA is a part of that. Um, it is a resume ranking in some ways, but it also also correlates with success and winning games. So you can, with the right regression analysis, which our very good dog quant has done, uh, you can integrate it very into good. a predictive model. So I don't. we don't talk about it because of its predicted prowess. We talk about it because it is a very accurate stat to talk about games that have already happened. It is. It can be used predictively because if you look at EPA surrendered versus EPA gained, you can kind of get an idea of like, where are we coming in, right? If, if you have an offense that is gaining a lot of positive EPA and you have a defense that is giving up positive EPA, you know... It's probably the offense that's favored, right? You know, and then the, the inverse is also true. I just what? had to look up Megan, Megan Knees. Sorry. I, I was looking ahead is. at the questions. What is that? It's, it's a TikTok thing. <laughs> it's like, hold on. I, 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 oh, God. I, We're too old, Nathan. Oh, no. I Remember, have seen this. <laughs> you've seen it. Yeah. I didn't know what it was by name. Remember back in the very first season when I used to call us middle-aged men? And you got really upset, and now we don't know what Megan knees are just from the name of it. We may have yeah, hit it. I'm not. We may have that's hit not the side of tick, That's not the side of TikTok that I'm on. No, unfortunately, I'm on the side of TikTok where you just I just watch baby animals eating food all day, and that's my side of TikTok, and it's pretty outstanding. Uh, I have a question for you. It's from Drewski. If you were the OC at any of UGA's upcoming opponents, what would you do in terms of scheme, personnel, script, etc., to attack UGA's defense? Where is the I chink would... in the armor? I would beat them at night with a stick, but on a football field <laughs> the night before. Yeah. The night before. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess if you mean in terms of personnel, like if I was just making a team to beat Georgia offensively, I would have a fast running quarterback that could throw the ball uh, off of multiple launch angles. Um, someone in the vein of like, you know, Kyler Murray or, Patrick Mahomes. So I would have like a, a first round quarterback uh, who can move. I would have a just road grading offensive line 
and I would have, I mean, I would basically put Kyler Murray on last year's Alabama offense. Um, schematically, I mean, I think you got to run outside, use maybe some misdirection. You got to be willing to take some high negative EPA plays to try to break one. Um, you know, the Helene Kiffin model might not be horrible uh, because, yeah, sure, it backfires sometimes, but that's, you know, when you're at a talent disadvantage, that what you that's what you have to do. I mean, the, the problem is <clears throat> you have to get push against the defensive line. So I don't really know what you do because no one's really done that this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you, you just have like historically good offense. Like last year's yeah. Alabama offense versus this defense, I think they would they would, they would score some points. Definitely. Cap Falcon asks, "What is your favorite video game soundtrack?" Um, mm. for me, it's definitely this is a hard. This is a hard question. It's probably this is probably a cheating uh, an answer that's kind of a, a cheating answer, but anything from Super Giant, anything at all, Hades, Bastion. Yeah. I was going to say um, Bastion has a really good one. I love blues music. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of normcore, but I'm really into the Halo soundtrack. It's very well composed. Um, it is really well composed. I really like, let me think, some others that I really, really enjoy. Um, the Crusader King series has a shockingly good soundtrack. Uh, I really am quite fond of the sort of like, uh, fantasy D and D style soundtracks that attempt to do like the old school instrumentation. Baldur's Gate was really good at this. Uh, Neverwinter Nights mm, has an okay one, but not a great yeah. one. But Baldur's Gate one and two are very very good. Diablo has a very good one. I think it's probably Bastion followed closely by Halo. Yeah, and then uh, I would say like a, a you know a very close, at least an honorable mention is the, the Valheim soundtrack. If it were much bigger. There are more sound songs to it, but Pyre really also has a very Valheim. good soundtrack. Ooh, Pyre has a Pyre? really good soundtrack. It's like the fantasy yeah. basketball game from Supergiant. So oh, good. no. I, what am I saying? No, it's... um. Oh, God, I'm obsessed with this game. What's the <laughs> other Supergiant game? It's like you have a sword and it's your boyfriend and you're red hair, you have red hair and it's all cyberpunk oh, it's and awesome. Transistor? Transistor. Oh, my God. Transistors is Amazing. really good. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That game Anything is by- like... Anything if you want to know giant. like what my aesthetic fetish is, it is just <laughs> like Transistor. That the whole way down. Transistor was really good. All right. I got several questions from Mattzilla Alexander. This is from Gmail. Hope you're having a good Saturday after the low and slow lunchtime pig roast. What does Stetson have to do in order to improve his game? He hasn't played badly by any means, but I worry he's hit his ceiling when we will most likely need to rely on him a lot this season. Uh, run the ball quicker. Don't hold the ball and then throw a bad pass. I mean, that's the main thing to me. He he throws a bad, that's he throws it. a stupid interception like every game. And I think if he can el- eliminate that, he'd be in much better shape. Mm-hmm. Just get it off quicker. Yeah. The last question, bonus question. Why does Lane Kiffin look like he's in a witness protection program every time he's on camera? Dude looks paranoid. Because <laughs> he knows. He knows that there's somebody, somebody has a draft out there that's going to hurt him. Somebody knows. Somebody's out there that has his dirt. Meditazi yeah. asks, if each of our QBs were personified as a vehicle, which vehicle would they be and why? I think Stetson Bennett is like a like a mid-90s Ford truck, or maybe an even older one, like a mid-60s Ford truck. It's in really good shape for its age, but it, you know, pretty bad gas mileage, but reliable. Uh, <laughs> JT Daniels is like a fucking Bugatti. It's just like, 
<laughs> he's in the shop a lot. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and yeah, might, he, but may, it's not he might be it's a broken. little off-brand. Yeah, yeah. He just needs maintenance. Yeah, just a little bit of maintenance. Just it Did always you skip has the DCI question? Mm-mm. Or are we just have, have we not gotten it to it yet? I haven't got to it yet. Oh, okay. Don't you worry. Nathan knew. I'm excited about that one. The DCI question's coming. Okay. Tim Watts. This one came in like as we hit the record button earlier. Tim asks, well, says first before he asks, hope y'all get these before you record. Would be grateful for your thoughts and insight. One, how effective has our secondary been? Has the success we've had in points allowed been predict- predicated on the egregious treatment of offense by our defensive line, or is the entirety of our defense truly that good? I feel like Keely Ringo has been getting steadily better, but I don't know that he's actually been tested yet. Well, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, which is a boring answer, but I, I think that ultimately the thing is that uh, this is a pretty good secondary that is made to look really good by a defensive line, but you you don't become the first-ranked pass EPA offense just because you have a good defensive line. Like they're making mm-hmm. plays, and I think he's right. Keely Ringo has like gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Next question, what can we glean from receiving production? The emergence of your boy, Lad McConkey, McConkey Kong in our house, <laughs> and Brock Bowers versus Vandy and Arky were great, but I'm not sure if uh, it was a case of the next man up concept working or if we should be happy that we played these opponents while we're still getting pass catchers healthy. Um, well, I think, again, a little bit of column A and column B. I think mm-hmm. if you're asking, are those two guys a mirage? I don't think so. I, I mean, when's the la- I mean, no. we played Vanderbilt for a long time. When's the last time we had a tight end run for a touchdown? Right. I think I think mm-hmm. they're both pretty legit. And I think we were lucky that we could find some of these weapons against lower ranked teams. But I think that they will come through in big spots as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Nathan, here's your time to shine. If this Georgia team were a DCI core, who would it be? Can be a year outfit or just a core in general? I've thought of this. Those of you that don't know, DCI is the basically like the professional top tier marching band. All right, if, if you don't like drum core. If you don't like drum corps, I suggest that you you just scooch forward, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say thirty to forty five minutes. No, I no, I mean like you know a minute or two. So I want to say the Blue Devils because I really like the Blue Devils, and I have two very good friends who were on staff and were Blue Devil alums. But the Blue Devils are Georgia. I'm sorry, or so the Blue Devils are Alabama. It's just what it is. They're mm-hmm. they're they're Alabama. That's um, fair. It like the Blue Devils have the most money. They have the most talent. They win, and people hate them at shows, but they usually deserve to win. I remember when I saw Metamorph on on, on the field, I was like, yeah, they're going to win. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Um, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, of the, like, I think two or three highest uh, scoring shows in the history of drum corps, I think Blue Bulls have either two or three of them, um, depending on mm-hmm. where that Cavalier show was. Uh, man... I was always a Bluecoats fan. I love they the Bluecoats. Really to me, the Bluecoats. Uh, to me, the Bluecoats are a little bit more like. Um, they're kind of more of like Oregon. You know what I mean? Where it's like mm-hmm. they've won a lot, and but they're just they've really had like a renaissance. You know, they've been around for a long yeah. time, but they sort of just like started getting it. You know, um, I I want to say I think I'm going to say. It's either scouts or cadets, uh, and I and I'm trying to think about. Or sorry, it's either scouts or cavies. It's either scout, uh, Madison scouts, or the Cavaliers. And I think those that's kind of the profile because these are two historically very good cores who have had a lot of success 
in the past that had some sort of like, um, you know, like existential questions over the past 15, 20 years, right? Really, really very good in the early 2000s, uh, ha- had sort of a drop off and have kind of come surging back in both accounts. Um, and I know that people have pretty polarizing opinions about Madison Scouts versus the Cavaliers. So I'm not going to pick a side, but I would say that that's probably <laughs> the sort of, um, that's probably the profile. I don't, th- I, I mean, I saw, they didn't do grades uh, for DCI this year, but I thought the Cavaliers sounded really good. Their brass is just sounds really good right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're quite like the Death Star that the Blue Devils are or whatever. The problem is, I, I don't know, probably like over the past few years, if you're taking just like the past few years, it's probably the Blue Coats because the Blue Coats have been like, 1B, 1B, 1B. Like, they've either won mm-hmm. or been second for the past two or three years. Uh, but I think historically, it's probably the Cavs or Scouts. I'm probably going to lean Cavs because they had a lot <laughs> of early success in the 2000s and the 80s. Um, best original show? <laughs> okay, okay. so, but yeah, but Crown has only won one, and they don't have the historical... I mean, Vanguard actually fits. I think Vanguard is probably the closest because Vanguard has, read, has a recent one, and they are super talented. And also, Vanguard... Uh, they have a traditional ri- rivalry with Cavaliers, but they also are a, a very, you know, California foil to the Blue uh, the Blue Devils. So, yeah, well, I'll, I'll change my answer to Vanguard. SCV is a good <laughs> answer. Very good, Jashley. All right, everybody else, we're going to stop talking about drum core. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, but the Super ca- Smash don't, don't the cabbies and uh-oh, SCV uh-oh. have like the they have like the noose thing where the one who loses gets the noose. One of my friends was in Cavs and told me about that. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's a thing. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. We're back. We're, we're back Smash on Brothers. non-drum core. What Super Smash Brothers ultimate character are Jordan Davis, Samir White, and Stetson Bennett? Um, let's see. What's I, I'm not a big like Jordan like, Davis is Bowser, just huge, so much bigger know, than everybody like, else. I would I would say is like who's the most broken character in Super Smash Brothers? Is it like Luigi? Who's the cheat code character? <laughs> That's uh, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett is Luigi, obviously. Well, no, I mean I, I I'm trying to think about like these players as. Oh yeah, Persona Five Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Jordan Davis is Persona Five Joker because like, not personality wise, because obviously he's not a skinny Japanese boy who turns into like a big, a big giant like, uh, mm-hmm. psychophysic metaphysical character. But uh, but he is the guy who is the most broken. He like mm-hmm. if you I patch Jordan was Davis into there. a game, yeah. If you if you patch Jordan Jordan Davis into any game, people would be like, this is not fair. Nerf Jordan Davis. <laughs> nerf jordan davis unfair samira white is uh i feel like samira white is kind of like a ganondorf kind of character just real big very or he's strong like, hits hard yeah yeah he's i, I think mr game and watch um is it, somebody on her when i said who is the best somebody said mr game and watch if you know him, if you know him well and i think that's that's uh stetson bennett right kind of a uh, mm-hmm. kind of non-traditional but if you, you can get something out of him if you know what you're doing yeah you know the buttons <laughs> Yeah. Uh, final question from Tim is Lane Kiffin the biggest asshole? I like Lane. I don't, I mean, <laughs> he's an idiot, and he admitted he shouldn't have said what he said. He made a comment about get your popcorn before the Alabama game because he was hyped up, mm-hmm. and then he made a joke. He apparently joked at halftime that apparently they left the microwave unplugged, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that was very funny. No, I, I think, think there that... are I think there are a lot bigger assholes in CFB than Lane, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, like and the only difference funny. is that he says it out loud instead of in the church service or at some weird Jacksonville club, Urban Wire. He says it there too. 
I think Lane Kiffin definitely says it's a church service. Yeah, yeah, but but he says it, but he says it like in both places. He's not a hypocrite about that's it. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. He never never hides it. And Tim ends with uh, "Go dogs forever and ever." Amen. And, Amen. Uh, and also with more. you. And also with you. <laughs> uh, we got a couple more segments real quick before we wrap up. We'll get through them real quick. First one is the. Dr. James Bearfield Troll Corner, presented by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes. TM, TM, TM. First question is, does Zeus have Megan knees? And uh, you might have to look this one up because we yeah, do. Yeah, it's a TikTok. Okay, I just want to say that, yes, we are middle-aged men now. That's fine. But, like, I'm on TikTok a lot, and I had not seen this. Mm-hmm. I looked at the original. It doesn't have that many views. Anyway, yeah, sure. It doesn't. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, it's all know. about how it's, like, her and her boyfriend, and sh- her knees can go lower than his because... You know, humans have different physiology based on their gender. Women's center mm-hmm. of gravity is in their hips, so they can get lower to the ground. Now I understand. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for breaking it down. If you get 171 more yards of offense and still lose, it's the player's fault, not the coach's, right? <laughs> He's talking about Dan Mullen, who sort of mm-hmm. blamed his law, his inexplicable loss to Kentucky. Not inexplicable. They beat that ass. Love you, Turner Hawkins. But, you know, the, he they blamed their loss to Kentucky on on uh on the players which yeah it's totally their fault and not his fault for being a bad coach <laughs> uh james asks or just kind of demands give me a poem englishman i'm only gonna read one stanza of this because it gets pretty brutal <laughs> you ready this is called we had seen a pig it's by marvin bell <clears throat> stanza one or i guess chapter one in this instance one man held the huge pig down and the other struck with an ice pick into the jugular, which is when we started to pay attention. The blood rose ten feet with force while the sow swam on its back as if to cut its own neck. Its fatty back smacked the slippery cement while the assassins shuffled to keep their balance. And the bloody fountain rose and fell and fell back and rose less and less high until the red plume re-entered the pig at the neck and the belly collapsed and the pig's face went dull. Yeah, I got pretty dark, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it, there's four more of those, and they don't get better. So, yeah, there's mine. There it is. Next question is, must Champa Florida insurgent spy sent to sabotage our punts? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a triple agent the whole time. You no, might not have not. heard this not watching, uh, you know, since you were at the game, but the, this question I saw has the to do with spaghetti the and catfish. Thing. Yeah, I saw it. I saw that. I want to eat it. If I start eating spaghetti and catfish, will I be as good as N'Kobe Dean, James asks. No, you There's had to start to when, find you're out. Like, when you're like three years old, I think. But I do think that I, it sounded to me like he was saying when he eats spaghetti, he has fried catfish with it, right? Or was he saying like maybe spaghetti sauce, broken up pieces of fried catfish? I mean, if it's all there, you just put it all in the, in the bowl. I think. No, no. <laughs> I'm mean, you know what? If that's what Nakobe does, God, it's working. So, yeah. If we were the ones who want, what does that make Arkansas, Walt Jr. or Skyler? <laughs> Uh, Skyler. He's the most Arkansas person in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the final segment of the show has become its own segment. Yara. Uh, Yara Rage Against the Machine rages so hard today for this game. So um, <clears throat> I'll just kind of get angrier, I guess. <coughs> okay. Tag yourself as a moment in the game. I'm the block punt or the two false starts because that shit was fire. Uh, I would say I am when Jordan Davis tackled a guy and then celebrated while still laying down on the ground. Is JT Daniels like 
going to be okay, dude? Like, I know it's a lat injury, but still. Also, do you think he's going to dip next year because he isn't playing as much this year? Uh, he's going to dip because he wants to make money in the NFL, not because he isn't playing. And he's going to play as soon as he's healthy. Uh, and is he okay? Uh, we'll see. Hey, besties, why are we still number two, not number one? Like, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Question Alabama mark. hasn't really shown that many chinks in the armor other than the fact that their defense is not that good this year. Three words to describe the game. Go. I like pulled pork. That's four. I'm bad That's at this. Uh, I would say elite, anticlimactic, and uh, re- relievingly boring. Oh, I, I fucked it up again. Uh, you'll, you'll see. I got... All right. <laughs> Wait, so is Auburn good this year? I read they're significantly better than last year. Mm, I don't know how good they are. They've only played... Pork was forked. That's a much better answer. Justin Smith, thank you. <laughs> uh, they've only... They basically played really well against bad teams uh, and teams with bad defenses and really poorly against good teams. So is Georgia State a good team? I don't know. Mm, no, decidedly not. If you were to choose any song, piece of music ever to be turned into a stands tune, what would you choose? Well, the two that I always advocate for are Kylo Ren's first order theme from the score to The Force Awakens, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a good defensive stands tune. And then there's this piece called Say You Won't. It's by Brass Tracks that I don't think yes. anyone's ever going to play because they, they should. It's very, it's very obscure. But yeah, those would both be good. Uh, oh, God. I write Sins Not Tragedies, which would just be funny. <laughs> Jashley su- suggested Saturday Night Panic at the Disco. That would also be a good one. And that made mm-hmm. me think about I write Sins Not Tragedies. What's the most interesting yeah. dream you had right recently? Well, oh, damn it. I can't I can't be mad and talk to you fast. Because deadass, last night I had a dream I played Battle Him on fucking Sousaphone. It was insane. Tell me. I, I recently had a dream that the... <laughs> I recently had a dream that I was teaching magic like in my classroom. And like that was my curriculum. And we were going to have an EOC. It was going to be a big tournament. What about yours? I don't, <laughs> I'm just going to share, uh, I don't, I don't remember my last dream I had, but Anna used to have this kid named Jack who was, uh, very Eastern European and he, he no joke spoke with like the stereotypical Eastern European accent. He was like five or six years old, but, uh, they had a one year they had an MLK, um, I have a dream or I had a dream assignment. And so they had to, they had, they were given the prompt, like I have a dream that blah, blah, blah. And they had to write what their dream was. And Jack's was. I have no dreams, only nightmares. <laughs> and we say that to each other all of the time. Uh, but that's how Jack speaks. And Jack had no chill. All right. Final question. Why were there so many MF penalties if Arkansas is, in parentheses, was LMAO a number eight team? Like, I genuinely don't get it. Um, well, they just self-destructed because they couldn't deal with our intensity. So, yeah, that's why. Because they, Much couldn't, like this they game. couldn't handle, they couldn't handle this juice. They couldn't handle the juice. Get the juice. They came through. They got whomped. They got yep. touched badly. It hurt. I we are the them. ones who whomp. They got their bells rung. They came through. Sit down. Yeah, sit down. Arkansas. Sit down, Arkansas. Sit down. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you liked what you heard here today. Feel free to hit us up at any of your fine podcast DAs of choice with a rating and review. If you would like to support this podcast, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Chapa Bell Curve. There, for as little as $1, you can get access to our Discord, a burgeoning community of weirdos who are currently talking about 
whether or not the red coach should play a panic the disco song um <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with us you can find us on facebook at chapel bell curve or instagram and twitter at chapel bell curve you can also email us email us at chapel bell curve at gmail.com if you would like to yell at us in person you can find usually me by the red coats in the middle of the band and you know uh show up when you roll up i guess or whatever um but you know be yep. ready because you know talk shit get hit i guess um we will catch you this weekend in the loveliest little village on the plains, which doesn't have its own Walmart, or in the classic city. Really? Yep. Auburn doesn't have a Walmart that you have to go to Opelika. Anyway, or in the classic city. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Got him. Or in the classic city. Auburn sucks. Or in the classic city. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs.